At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Got my PrevNAR 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic, and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. This is Cut To It with Steve Smith Sr., a production of The Black Effect and iHeartRadio. I'm Steve Smith Sr. And I'm Gerard Littlejohn. And this is Cut To It. Cut to it, cut to it, let's get down to it, cut to it. We ask the questions you always want to know, but no one ever asks. Let's cut to it. If you ain't heard about it, then we're about to let you know. It's on. Could you hear me? Could you hear me? Okay. Well, you're right there. No. <laughs> I'm just saying, could you hear me in your in your ears? Could you hear me in your ears? No, you're right here. I know that. But I could. <laughs> so we got two episodes in one. Mm-hmm. We took two guys that we thought were really, really good. Um, two separate days, but we combined them up, uh, combined them. Um, to really just give you a double portion, a double fister, baby, <laughs> right? Of 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 really two guys who understand who've who've battled some some I would say life changing things. Oh, absolutely. Um, and so just kind of letting you letting you guys know it's, it's it's two episodes, two different people. So if you go take take a break and you come back, you didn't hit the wrong button. <laughs> It, it, it's just it's just our we, unsung heroes series. Yes, unsung heroes, and um, that's just kind of how I do it. Just throwing something new and fresh, um, keep keeping you on your toes. All right, coming up is Vinny Churchill, former special teams member and Super Bowl player with the Carolina Panthers. 
turned real estate guru, and he's managing multiple family apartment complexes. You're about to get iced up. So what is that? Those are questions that are selected at random that you have no idea what's coming. There also may or may not be follow-ups to each question. So Smitty, go ahead and ice them up, son. I know this answer, but I got to ask it anyway and step on this personal landmine. Okay. East Coast or West Coast? East Coast. Come on, man. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Peanut butter in the refrigerator or in the pantry? Pantry. Cool. I like that. <laughs> Instagram or Facebook? Instagram. Why? Uh, I don't like reading. I just look at pictures. That's why. Mm, that's actually typical, a really good reason. That's a typical defensive player. He don't want no words. He just want picture. See ball, hit ball. See ball, hit ball, right. <laughs> don't, buy, don't buy into Smitty's stereotypes of defensive players. Bro, it is. Defensive players, we'll get into it later. All right. Yeah, all right. One item that you cannot leave the home without having. My phone. Why? Oh, man. Uh, work, family. I do everything on that thing. It's like a lifeline. Okay. All right. Now, I know you like to cook a little bit. Yeah. Favorite food to cook? Man, I, I got to be honest with you. Um, I, I'm a big griller, so I'm going to have to say I like to grill steak and chicken and smoke uh, smoke butts and uh, chicken and Skip. all that whoa, stuff. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> smoke pork butt, period, pork butt. huh? Yeah, he's talking pork about pork, bro. I just made it sure, man. I, hey. keep, it, keep it clean, bro. Keep That's it, why yeah. I need a clarification. It's a, it's a family show. <laughs> it is a family show. So when he said, I like to smoke butts, I'm like, what? Is this video? Cigarettes? Or no, no, cigar no cigarettes. It's <laughs> <laughs> a video, sir, mix a lot. <laughs> All right, Vinny, so let, just take us down memory lane. You know, coming on this podcast, which we enjoy, we like to talk about the person inside the jersey. You played this game the right way. You're a special team ace. Um, but there's so much, there's so many layers to you, and we want to give um, our audience an opportunity to learn about, learn about Vinny and also um, this prove the dumb jock theory yeah so, so take us through what who is who was young Vinny growing up um young Vinny was a uh underrated um blue collar hardworking, prove everybody wrong I was too short I wasn't smart enough um so whatever I did I carried that throughout my whole career. Um, you know, I was a I was an undrafted free agent coming out of uh, Boston College. Uh, you know, I I got cut, uh, made the practice squad with the Carolina Panthers, then got I activated with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for like six or seven weeks, then got cut again, then went back uh, to Carolina, and we went to the Super Bowl that year, and then uh, you know. I was fortunate enough to play with you for another three years and then moved on to play with uh, Minnesota Vikings for two years. And then I signed with the, uh, finished up my career with the Detroit Lions and uh, did two years there and then ended up retiring because uh, of some injuries. 
the highest paid player in the National Football League when you signed a undrafted free agent contract with the Carolina Panthers. Mm -hmm. Brian Urlacher was the middle linebacker, the highest paid player, making $15 million. Yeah. Okay. What was your undrafted signing bonus? Believe it or not, Steve, I had the highest paid free agent uh, signing bonus. I think it was like $12,000 or. Ooh, shut <laughs> up. Back up the Brinks truck. <laughs> what? The Lego Brinks truck. I was killing it. I was killing it back then. Yeah. And, uh, my, I think my rookie contract was uh, $225,000 uh, was my rookie contract. But I, I will say this. I do remember. I do remember lining up on kickoff, and I do remember seeing some guys. I won't mention any names, but I remember seeing some guys that were making some big, big bucks that year on, on the Panthers, and I was like, damn, I am killing myself. Hitting the wedge. Remember when we had the wedge? Yep. Uh, you know, it was just like the wedge buster and just getting beat up for $225,000. And then, you know, you got guys making millions and millions and millions of dollars chewing seeds with their ball cap on. I was like, there's something <laughs> wrong with this picture. <laughs> you know? 2020, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is an undrafted free agent? What is that process like yeah. for you? Um, you know, I, you know, coach, you know, rest in peace. Coach Mills called me around the sixth round. Um, I got a little excited because he's like, hey, Vinny, we're going to we're going to probably end up signing you and in, uh, in the sixth or seventh round. And the, the sixth and seventh and eighth round came. And I don't even know if we have an eighth round, but they don't uh, but continue. Yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> that's how much I follow football these days. Yeah. And uh, and that didn't happen. Then after the draft, after the draft, I actually got a lot of interest uh, from like five or six teams. And, you know, uh, you know, Coach Mills was the first one to call me. And I just, you know, Jersey guy, you know, similar story to me, small, undrafted, mm -hmm. uh, undrafted, worked hard. So, you know, I felt immediate connection with Coach Mills and, you know, went to camp and, you know, it was a struggle every day, man. It was, you know, it was fight for your spot every day. And, you know, and just trying to prove to the coaches, to my teammates that I belong because that was, that was like my MO because people always thought I never belonged on, on, on like the college level and, and, and the football on the NFL level. So for me, and still to this day, Steve, I, I, I take that approach where I try to prove myself to my family, to, to my workers, to my employees that, you know, I do belong and, and I'm here for the long run and, you know, try to do something special, whether it's, you know, with the family, with my business or for a good cause or whatever it may be. You were cut twice. Right. You were cut by the Panthers twice and. Cut by the Tampa Bay Bucks. Yeah, you were cut, cut by, by the Panthers and the Minnesota. Bucks. I was cut Minnesota. by. Uh, New England. I took a, a short stint in New England right before I went to uh, Detroit. You had a cup of coffee, huh? <laughs> I, had a, I had a cup of coffee in, in New England, which wasn't fun cup of coffee, but I had a cup of coffee there. Everything you went through, how was it? What what is the what was the experience for you as an undrafted guy on the, in the National Football League? Because everybody believes, you know, football players. Everybody makes a whole bunch of money. Yeah. Now you you signed a contract for two hundred and twenty five, but when you got released or cut, you were on a practice squad. What was the practice squad pay? 
I think the practice squad pay at that time was like, uh, I think I want to say like seven or eight thousand dollars a week. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, it's a lot of money, but yeah, yeah. For being in the NFL and and doing and going through what you have to go through week in and and day to day to day, uh, it wasn't really that much money. But I got to be honest with you, it really. It was an amazing experience. Uh, I made the best out of it, and I really maximized every dollar I made. I really, I really saved and 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 invested. And uh, uh, luckily for me, now I'm in a, I'm in a good situation where you know uh, I, I make more money now than I did in the NFL. You know what? What Vinny? What? What goes on in the life of a practice squad player? Because definitely for for me and. Uh, I, I didn't play professional football, didn't even play at, at, at the college ranks, but so many people that I know, whether it be fans or friends or people who I know who maybe even are close to the game, will look at that and say $7,000, $8,000 a week, sign me up any day, but give me. Now, now that go. six or 7000 that's only for 17 weeks. Uh -huh. Right, right. So that's it. Like when the season's over, you know, for these guys, these guys and teams that don't make it to the playoffs, yeah. donezo. No checks. Wow. So see, yeah. see you next September. Yeah. So, so walk, 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 walk us through. Would you, would you tell us more about what the experience is for a practice squad player? Listen, I will say this. I mean, coming out of college, I was young. I didn't have a family. So, for me, just to be in the NFL and have the opportunity to be in the NFL and be on a team uh, as the Carolina Panthers was guys like Steve Smith, Julius Peppers. You know, Musi Muhammad with like, with guys like that was an unbelievable experience. Um, but I will say this: it was also a grind. I mean, you're also at times a, a a dummy per se because you're just there. You know, you practice Tuesday through what Thursday or Friday, and then that's it. You're not traveling with the team. You're sitting at home. You're you're watching the game at home if it's an away game, and uh, you're just waiting for the guys to come back so you could go back to work on Monday or Tuesday, whatever it is. But, you know, you live that, I lived that single life. I was, uh, you know, six or seven grand a week was, was a lot of money for me at that time. I had a little apartment right up the street from the facility. Uh, you know, we had, we used to go to the ta tavern on the tracks and eat dinner and lunch and all that good stuff. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I will say this. It was a lot of fun. It was a, it was a grind. Uh, it was an amazing experience. I met amazing people. I got to watch, you know, Hall of Famers, future Hall of Famers like Steve and Julius, and it was it was an incredible, incredible experience. I'm hesitant to ask this question, but Why? I gotta ask it because I'm on my own podcast. What was it like to be a teammate of Steve Smith? Oh, we in the good stuff now. <laughs> There's probably I, I'm a I'm gonna be honest with you. You were probably the only guy I was really scared of. Uh, the Carolina Panthers. You you were scared of Steve? Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Steve was a a, a ferocious, ferocious competitor. Uh, he brought the intensity every day. You knew what you were going to get from Steve. And if he was in a bad mood that day, you better not walk by his locker in the wrong way or give him the wrong look because he's going to give it to you. You know. Uh, it's becoming a reoccurring theme on this podcast. <laughs> I'm starting to hate this podcast right now. And I have to ask the question because it's my podcast. I wish I'd go high right now. You can't. What, what do you mean 
if you looked at Steve the wrong I way. I looking at you one day. I, 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 yeah, get, just let, I give just us a good say, Steve I story, Vinny. I just want to say what's up to you. And I don't know if you had a bad day in practice or you got in a fight with somebody. And and I looked over at you and he look, you looked at me like, what the hell are you looking at? <laughs> I was like, damn, man. I was like a rookie. I was like ready to go to pee in my pants. You, you know, he's, he's scary, man. He's scary. Vinny, I was a Vinny, little tyrant. <laughs> It was or yeah. is currently? <laughs> no, you use past tense, brother. I, I said I was a little tyrant. It sounded yeah, like yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. I think you still got that fire. In there, dude. Don't, don't fool nobody, man. All right, Vinny. Vinny, you got to give you us just, a good. You just know how to mask it a little bit better now. Yeah, We're just a little true. bit more mature. Hey, still a little bit more mature. Yeah, then you gotta you, you gotta give us a good Steve story. I mean, you, you gave us one to win. He Maybe he wasn't. Well, I'm asking. We're going a little off script. Give, give us a good Steve Smith senior story, Vinny. No, oh, man. I, I just gotta be I, you know, I was thinking about this the other night, and Shit. there's there's not too many <laughs> he, he times. Came prepared to. There's not too many times that you get to play with a guy like Steve Smith. And I'm not here mm -hmm. to, you know, to blow smoke but anybody's, you know what, but uh, the things that I saw in practice, the things that I saw on Sunday, forget about practice on Sunday, were just, uh, you really, you really appreciate it when you're away from the game, when you're in the game, you don't really recognize it. You just don't really pay attention to it because you're in the game. But when you get to sit back and you look at a guy like Steve and what he's accomplished and what he's done for the game. Uh, man, I was just, I really appreciate everything you did, Steve, and what you continue to do uh, oh. for the NFL. Well, I appreciate it, Vinny. I, I loved a guy like Vinny hmm. because Vinny was a special team mason. Some people would look at Vinny or they hear special team mason, they're like, well, you know, he plays special teams. What's the big right. deal? Well, first hmm. of all, that's how I got in the league by playing special hmm. teams. Vinny was on punt return 2003. Hell, I was, I was a starting wide receiver, playing punt return, yeah. playing kickoff. So Vinny was blocking for me. And there were times, depending on the opponent, we would, I would personally incentivize guys to block a little bit extra because of the caliber of players. Meaning, I know these guys are, you know, Vinny trying to feed their family or just trying to accumulate more passive income. And so I would make sure, like, hey, you know, hold that block take, up a little bit longer. Or if I scored a, a, a score on a return that I didn't anticipate, we just make sure that we took care of the guys. You know, I like to call them the, the wheels of the vehicle. Yeah. Like, it, it, may, it could be a nice vehicle. But if you ain't got no nice wheels on it, yeah. that thing ain't going nowhere. And Vinny was part of that process. And so I really loved playing with guys like Vinny because I also believe as myself as a blue collar worker, mm. right? That I, I understood hard work was the, the way to go. But right. we're going to shift a little bit, Vinny, because I think this is why I wanted you on our podcast was this. You got $12,000. You made two hundred and twenty-five. If you have finished the season, but you got cut a few times and you was on practice squad. So your salary always was inconsistent right is that fair to say right yeah what were you doing with your money why uh, you were playing i was i for the first couple years I, I i saved pretty much every penny I, I mean like i said i didn't have a family i was single um i, was, I wasn't spending any money going going to places or going to the mall spending money so 
whatever money I had, I, I, I accumulated and I saved. And then once I had enough money, I actually bought my first uh, multifamily building. It was a 12 unit apartment complex in Passaic, New Jersey. Hold on, hold, hold on. I want to debunk the dumb jock theory. Right. And so that's what, what, how long did it take? How many games, how many years? And, and how much was that that you did and how long ago that was? Right. And uh, I believe it was uh, 2000, it was the beginning of 2004. I don't know the exact month, but uh, so it was about a year and a half. And I, I, I accumulated enough money. It was about $350,000 that I had in my bank account. And I bought, I bought a 12 unit building. It was $1.6 million at the time. And you needed 20% down. So it was about $330,000. And uh, I had enough money and uh, I ended up buying a 12 units and I was making like 10, 12% return on my money every year, along with appreciation every year because you know real estate multifamily goes up every, every year. Um, so I held down, I, I, so yeah, about two years it took me to buy, uh, 12 units. And then I held on to that property for about another two to three years. And I refinanced that property and I pulled enough equity to go buy 32 units in the, uh, next town over in Patterson, New Jersey. And, um, you know, it just kept rolling after that, man. I just kept, um, what? So what, what intrigued you to start buying apartment buildings? You're playing in Charlotte, yeah. just went to the Super Bowl in Houston, lost. Mm -hmm. Most guys are licking their wounds. It's funny is when you're saying that, I remember I'm thinking about I was a third-round draft pick. My whole contract for four, three, three or four years was 1.5 after taxes, about $725,000 that I blew through. I didn't save. Right. Right. Um, I had given it away to family, made some, you know, just made some dumbass decisions. Right. So I was, I was living, sad to say, for 17 weeks, I was living paycheck to paycheck. Really? Right. And I'm becoming a free agent looking to cash in. And you over here leveraging your $300,000 to a $1.2 million, $1.3 million um, business property. Yeah. property where in the hell is this coming from like how we're two we're on the opposite ends yeah, of the spectrum totally i didn't i didn't screwed up my money yeah you are out here leveraging your money where did you get any of this from uh, fortunately for me steven uh, my father my father you know he came over to this country from sicily and you know he, he similar story to me he worked his butt off and saved his money uh and he he ended up buying apartment buildings also so he was naturally it was in the business it was kind of in my blood already mm -hmm. uh i kind of grew up in the business of of uh, owning and managing uh apartment buildings i remember my father would pick me up from clemson when i was at clemson and uh he'd take me straight to patterson new jersey like, I need your help. We got to carry this refrigerator up three flights of stairs. I'm like, come on, dad, really? I just finished the season. Now you got me carrying refrigerators during the summer. I said, this is crazy. But, you know, I, I grew up in the business and I was fortunate enough to have uh, my dad that was, uh, that was in the business as well. 
Um, and that's why I kind of talked to you. I, was, I mentioned to you earlier that I was wanting to help out some of these young kids and kind of uh, yeah. direct them in that. Uh, we're, we're just kind of guide them and, and make sure they, they do right with their money and not, you know, live paycheck to paycheck. Because you, mm-hmm. you can live very nice after football if you invest your money properly. But unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there that just want to take your money and act like they want to guide you. Yeah. Uh, and we, we know people that, you know, we played with that lost millions and millions of dollars wow. um, making bad investments, you know. So um, I was fortunate enough to, to, you know, to be raised in a family where they already started, you know, buying uh, apartment buildings and, uh, you know, kind of knew about it already. How how easy for both of y'all, how easy and how often does that happen to where people either don't plan or get taken advantage of with their with their money? Yes. I, I can tell you, listening to Vinny's story, that the interesting part is I didn't have a dad picking me up exactly. during the summer to help with his right. business to take a washer and dryer or a refrigerator or a bookcase up three flight of stairs mm-hmm. to an investment property. So I didn't have that, like Vinny said, that DNA. To be honest, we did a podcast weeks ago with a, a, a another defensive player that I call a friend as well, Dequel Jackson, and he talked about his uh, family DNA, his 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 uh, what he had visioned and experienced as a young man. Right, Vinny experienced from his folks, hard work, invest, take every penny you have, invest it. Right. I wasn't taught that. My folks Mm -hmm. were, when I made it to the league, I was their lottery. I had, I got the opportunity to change my family's misfortune. Mm -hmm. Now on the hand with Vinny, hell Vinny became part of the norm and him playing in, him playing in the National Football League and take, after I say this, tell me if I'm accurate, for Vinny, and like I've told some young guys, I would tell young guys is the National Football League is an opportunity, is a, you know, using my dad analogy, is a stool. So it helps you wash your hands. It's a stool. It's a step up for your life to start, right. to get going. And the heck, the fact that Vinny is making more money outside of football retired than he did playing football and that's a story that needs to be told and and, and, and i and i love that so what how could you take foot your football game plan or playbook into your business how did how were you able to 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 put those two together to mesh them i you know i took the same i took the same the same approach uh you know in the beginning not too many people know this, but I, 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 I went, I went after I retired, I took about a week off and, uh, you know, my dad had already been established. I think he had like, I don't know, like 300 units or something like that. And, and I had like, I think I had like about 60 or 70 units myself. And, you know, my dad needed some help managing, uh, managing, uh, his properties. And, I was like, yeah, you know what? I can't sit home. I'm I'm gonna get bored. I got two, you know, I got two properties out out there. So you know what? Let me get involved and let me let me see what you know see what this is all about. 
So I was getting paid like $400, $500 a week, just going around, checking up on properties, you know, coming, coming off of making, you know, you know a, 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 a lot of money a week from $400 a week. It, 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 but I knew that wasn't going to last forever, right? I knew that if I grinded and I stayed focused and, 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 and grew my business, that one day I'd be sitting back and, and, and enjoying uh, the fruits of my labor. Uh, but it took, you know, Steve, I, you know, first property I bought was in 04. You know, that's almost 20 years, 20 years ago, you know? So the, the game with real estate is time. You, you don't, it's not a, a get rich quick type of uh, business. It's a, it's a business where you, time is your, is your friend. And the more time goes by, uh, the more, the more value you get out of your property, the rents, you know, the rents go up, uh, you get turnover, you know, so time is, time is the, is the best thing for, for real estate. And it took me 20 years. It took me about 20 years to, to really uh, live, live a good life, you know, but uh, I had to hustle. I had to work hard. I remember getting up at three, four o'clock in the morning, going to shovel my properties, uh, snow plowing. You know, almost I almost wrecked and 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 died one day in a, in a snowstorm on a highway, going to going to plow our properties. You know, so hmm. I just kept that I just kept that mentality where I was just going to outwork everybody and 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 just take it from there day by day. You know, and and as uh, as I got older. I met more people, I met more realtors, I met more more uh, people in the business and networked and found some really great deals back in like 2008, 2009, right after the crash. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to find some good deals that propelled me to, to, to even higher levels. We have to take a break and more than anything, we got to pay some bills. Mm-hmm. You that check. I love Cut To It, and I, I love it even more when you download us and subscribe. And you can follow us on social media, too, Smitty. Where where at? That's at Cut To It on Instagram. What about Twitter? At Cut To It. Facebook? Cut To It featuring Steve Smith Sr. What about online? And you can follow us at CutToItPodcast.com, where you can buy merch, and you can subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. I got all my answers questions. Um, I got all my questions answered. That's what I'm here for, brother. Cut to it podcast.com. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, 
from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it. And I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. How long did you believe you wanted to play in the National Football League? I got to be honest, after I left Carolina, the love of football, I lost the love of football, to be honest. I, I, why is that? I, I really enjoyed being a Carolina Panther. And I just, for me, for me, that was like my home. I, I just loved, I loved the city of Charlotte. I loved the team. I loved the teammates. Uh, but as soon as I left there, Steve, I just, it wasn't the same, and I just – I my head wasn't in it. And that's exactly when I said I need to maximize every penny I have and just invest it and just – because I, I just wasn't – I wasn't into it. I just I, I just wasn't into it. What kept you going then? Because you, you rattled off – even at the beginning, you rattled off how many times you got for cut, me, how many times you me, got re- relocated. What, what kept you going? What kept you motivated? The money. The money because – I used I used the NFL as a vehicle to to invest in my business, and I said for the next four years, however many years, I am going to play this game because of the money. You and I both have played the game. We've been on rosters where you can smell you can smell see right. the right. guy who is just there for the paycheck. Right. But bro, if I'm being honest, when I watched you play and when I played against you. Or you looked and seemed like you had the desire for the game. Not, and I'm not saying that you didn't, but there were some guys. I mean, there are some guys I play with. You'd be like, man, when this dude gets cut, he's done. Yeah. Right? You, and, just, and, you just knew that. Bro, I go back. My rookie year, there was a guy, and I don't know why. There is a guy named Kevin Coffey. He played at Virginia Tech. Kevin Coffey was a wide receiver. We came in the same draft class. He, he was an uh, undrafted guy. Man, they cut Kevin, and Kevin didn't put a damn pair of cleats on no more, <laughs> right? Yeah. They wore him out. It was three weeks. It was probably three months of hell for him. You can see every day he got up, he was like, man, I'm done with this. Wow. Right? And so that's why I'm asking that because there are going to be people listening to this. They're going to say, man, I can identify. And then there's going to be some people be, that will take that and go, 
oh man, he cheated the game. He yeah, didn't, he didn't the, play for the, the foot, passion. The football purists are gonna yeah, be like, why the, was you just motivated by correct. money and not for the wins or the championships? Yeah, so th that's why I'm asking that, not to paint you in a bad light, but just more give a great perspective of that. Man, this game will chew you up and spit you out. Yeah, and you, I, and I and you don't that. even realize you on the menu. <laughs> I, 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 and I knew that. And for me, football wasn't wasn't my life. You know, I I I don't want to say the wrong come off as the wrong yeah. uh, the wrong thing, but uh, like I said, football was only a small part of my life, and I had I had bigger goals. I, I had bigger visions. I yes, wanted sir. to. I wanted, I want, and still, I want to build a real estate empire. Mm. So that to me was more important than, uh, you know, trying to hang on and, 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 and try to, you know, milk the NFL. I wasn't trying to milk. I, I gave it my all. You know that. I gave yeah. it my all. Uh, blood, sweat, and tears, hours, whatever. I gave it my all. But, you know, football comes to an end. And you have to realize that, and you have to gear yourself for that. And the earlier you gear yourself, the earlier you prepare, the better off you'll be in the long run, you know? So, you know, yeah, okay, four years into it, I started thinking about, all right, what's my next move? How am I going to set myself up and my family up where I don't have to go hit 300-pound men in the head? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. How am I going to provide for my family and not kill myself and my body doing it. It took me 10 years of playing until I started to realize that I need to start using my brain. Steve, you you mm. were an elite player, man. I was I was I was a day by day. I was lucky to be on the on the on the team. You know, it was you but, were, you're but, an elite but, player and I'm a player that, you know, you get rid of, you could find another guy in the street for for less money, you know? So but here's I the knew, thing, and though. I knew that, and I it, knew that. You know, here's so. the thing you don't realize, Vinny. You can say I was elite, but I play scared. Yeah, you. Every you, where you at that mindset? I play scared every freaking day because, unlike you, I didn't have a pop mm -hmm. that can that I that can take me under his wing and say, "Hey, let's move this refrigerator," right? Yeah. I I didn't I didn't have this this uh example mm -hmm. right to say right. hey this is this, how you can do it this is you, you can it. take you can take football mm -hmm. and you can go over here i mean i didn't start really realizing football became it was a conduit football was a was an instrument in which it allowed me to go some places right bro until i was probably seven eight years into the league mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then i started realizing oh you know i can start using my mind a little bit because you know, we have been programmed in football to almost check our check our brains at the door. Hey, hit ball, see ball. Yeah. Catch ball, run route. Mm -hmm. Right. And Vinny, Vinny was more prepared than a lot of players were. Heck, even some of his teammates, yeah. me. Yeah. Right. And 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 I made. 10 times the amount of money Vinny was making. Yeah. But yet I was 10 times behind the eight ball of Vinny yeah. as well. There's almost this classism of the elite players. Yep. And then me, where you're looking at it, Steve, and you're basically saying, I wish I had what he had, right? Yeah. Like you're looking yes. at, you're looking at Vinny and, and you're looking at him like, I just wish I had that preparation or I wish I had someone pour into me like that. So it's, yeah. it's sitting on this end of, of, of the conversation. It's, 
it's amazing how, and I think that how it happens everywhere. You, we only look at it based off of your perspective and your experience. How, based off knowing Benny and knowing how successful he is outside of football, I'm looking at Benny like, damn, yeah. this dude got the hookup. <laughs> I'm just figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and the contract didn't matter. No. Yeah. The contract is great. You know, I'm not going to sit here. I'm not, I'm, I ain't going to turn it in right now, you know, cash right. it in so I can do that. But I would say from a perspective standpoint, from, a, from a, bro, from a, from a dad's perspective, yeah. like, I'm like, damn, oh, oh, my son Peyton get like Vinny, right? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it, it get like Mike. I want to be like Vinny. <laughs> Just this, his forward thinking yep. and understanding that ball was just a stepping stone for him. That's up, that's up. And he, he realized it and is kicking ass and taking names and and building doors. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right? I just wanna want my kids to 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 you know look up to my you know say, hey, you know, my dad, my dad worked his butt off and you know, I just want to set a good example for my kids. Uh, you know, teach them right, you know, be there for them like my parents were and and guide them and 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 just, you know, uh, help them become adults, you know, and, 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 and think forward and not, not just get fixated on one thing and, 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 and put all your eggs in one basket because that's not how life is. You know, football doesn't last forever. Baseball doesn't last forever. What are you going to do with that money? That's going to carry you for the next 50, 60, 70 years. You know what I'm saying? You need to yep. figure it out. And the earlier you figure it out, the better off you'll be. Next up on the Unsung Hero series, Dex Geralds. He's a personal fitness trainer and CrossFit coach, and he's an advocate for people with type 2 diabetes. I read your article on Yahoo Life, mm -hmm. and the title was, My Body Looked Great on the Outside. The article was very helpful, but also intriguing, because what happened to you and what you were doing when it was all happening um, and, and, and correct me if I'm mistaken, I'm okay with that. Um, we will edit it out anyway. Uh, <laughs> but you're basically heavy into bodybuilding, heavy into sports, and really loving it. And you looked, based on the, the title, my body looked great on the outside. So you were working extremely hard in the weight room and either with supplements, also with, uh, with food to look like a chiseled specimen, but yet maybe you were doing some things on the inside that was actually counterproductive. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's correct. That's, yeah, that's almost, yeah, 100%, I would say. Take us down that path of how you got to become a huge advocate, a very vocal advocate for diabetes. I just started CrossFit probably a year or, a year or two before I was diagnosed. So I was working out maybe two times a day, five to six times a week. Uh, I was also working at a Buffalo Wild Wings out in Boston and working crazy hours. Um, anyone who works in the restaurant industry, especially as a manager, probably works 10 to 12 hours a day. So that was a part of it. Um, so I was working out like crazy. I was eating mostly paleo at the time, except when I was at work and I couldn't really cook food that uh, went with that kind of um, dieting. So I would just eat whatever is there. So it'd be really sugary sauces with um, fried wings, um, lots of French fries, stuff like that. 
um, and I'm a classic overeater. So most people eat 12 to 18 wings. For me, it's 25 to 30, 40 wings in uh, one in sitting. One, in one sitting? In one sitting, yeah. You said a classic overeater. Now, I play ball. Man, that's some D lineman kind of stuff. Forty wings. I can probably talk for good fifteen, twenty. Forty I'm, wings. I'm, Forty wings. Yeah, um, I don't. I just it's once if it's if it's in front of me, I'm gonna just keep eating until it's done. I don't know if it was uh because growing up, I'm the youngest of four, and if you didn't eat fast enough, you didn't really get much to eat. So oh, I you just, ain't eat, yeah. Yeah, so I, I can't. I think that just was something that was in uh, my mentality as I grew up. So it's a lot of food all the time. Um, I mean, I used to eat, uh, and this was the bad food that I ate, but I would eat sometimes two packs of double store Oreos while I was um, playing Call of Duty or something like that. Um, just mindlessly eating a lot. So um, that is a big part of it. It's just the fact that I didn't do that all that often. There was a few times um, during the week, maybe during the weekend where I would uh, really eat like that um, just because of, I don't know, stress with work and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And plus I was working out two times a day. So um, all those extra calories I was burning, I was trying to take them back in. But um, even with my eating habits like that, uh, it was the best shape I was ever in. I had a six pack, chest looked good, back looked good. Um, could do all these things that uh, CrossFit requires, like gymnastic stuff, muscle ups, and all that. So it never really crossed my mind that I was uh, overeating or anything like that. And um, uh, I was watching this uh, story about a CrossFit athlete, and he was talking about some of the symptoms he had before he was diagnosed with diabetes. One of the ones was he was always thirsty, which was something I was always, um, I was drinking water probably every 30 minutes or so. Um, that I can remember. And then at night, it was the worst because I would wake up, drink a whole bunch of water, hour later, use the bathroom and just repeat the cycle three or four times a night. And so much water where when I walked around, like you can hear it slushing. And uh, wow. in my body. so um, that was um, one of the things. And then he started to talk about his mood, um, being irritable a lot. Um, I'm a naturally just happy person. Um, I mean, some things make me mad, but he had to get me to a point to get me mad like that. Um, but I was just having these mood swings at work and I remember my employees one day I hear them whispering that I was on my period and that really set me off here, here and that. Um, and those are just things that were natural to my character or personality. Um, so after seeing that video, I made an appointment to go see my doctor, um, went over, told him, I think I have diabetes, tested my blood sugar. I think my blood sugar at that time was like 350 or 400 something Whoa. off the charge. What, what is what's the normal level for um, your blood sugar. for your blood sugar? So um, a normal person uh, without diabetes, you're probably going to be around seventy to ninety. Oh, seventy to ninety, and you were three fifty four hundred. Yep. Wow. And yeah, no, I'm not even realizing uh, how much it was affecting my body at the time. So yeah, so he came out and was like, yes, yeah, sir, you're right. You have type two diabetes. And it was uh, crazy because it was a shock. Dude. I think I was doing all the things, you know, you, every time you hear about someone having diabetes, it's like, oh, because they don't work out and yeah. all this other like factors and stuff like that. And I was doing that. Like, again, I did overeat, but sometimes when I overeat, it was just, it was healthy food. I was just overeating healthy food sometimes. Um, can we can we park can we park a big old bus right there um 
in that because you're saying overeating, you're saying stress. How, how were you so stressed that you were literally eating double stuffed, a whole carton or a whole package of Oreo cookies? Eating 40 wings is one thing, but you also like have to order those 40 wings and you know do you get ranch do you want celery do you want carrot and and i'm just asking all that because sometimes we we talk about compulsive eating or compulsive buying but there's a process prior to that compulsive behavior um as far as wings that was simple because i was already at work i can have one of my cooks um cook up the wings uh, when it comes to the Oreos, um, stress, uh, working those many hours uh, a week, um, not really getting paid much and uh, mm-hmm. felt like my boss was uh, out to get me a lot, um, even though I was doing the best I could do. I mean, even before I moved to L.A., I um, got raised to assistant general manager um, before I decided to move here. But um, I guess the process, I mean, I'm not sure how much we could talk about, but when it comes to Oreos, one, the grocery store was right down the street from me. So two blocks, I can, get, I can walk down and come back. Okay. And um, at that time I was uh, smoking a lot of weed. So, um, and that helped me combat the stress that I was getting from work. I found other outlets to keep me occupied. Um, what, what are those other outlets? Um, so sometimes I paint now. Um, Ooh, Picasso, huh? <laughs> try to be. I don't know. It looks more like a, a Picasso Junior or something. So <laughs> kindergarten uh, stuff. But no, I enjoy it. Um, I brought some DJ equipment. Um, I've been really enjoying that lately. Uh, I'm big into music, uh, especially hip hop, R and B from mm-hmm. the '90s um, and early 2000s. So. Uh, I've been doing that, and um, and luckily, uh, my roommate, he's always here, so he keeps me distracted with stuff, too, so we're playing video games and stuff like that, so now I'm not, and I know what eating two packs of double store Oreos is going to do to me, so yeah. I'm not eating that stuff anymore. It's just, um, you know, like like you said, like I, uh, I am responsible for some of the um, things that I've done in my life to get to this point, mm. and I'm not going to blame it on anything else like i um i know there's things that i grew up with like overeating and stuff like that but since i'm conscious of that then it's up to me to fix that problem i can't just blame it on that always and say that's why i'm like this when the doctor told you it's one thing to think you know but then when the doctor tells you you do have diabetes type 2 diabetes what's going on in your heart and your mind um so yeah so my doctor like a lot of my stuff i always situate my uh myself into a place where everything is accessible through walking um so my walk my doctor was about three or four blocks down the street from me and so that walk was a long walk home um just thinking about my family's history of diabetes um thinking about my grandmother um learning that she passed away from diabetes when I was a kid, and I didn't really know the scope of it when I was a kid. I just know that diabetes did that. And then just throughout my life, family members like, oh, why did they pass? Or why did they get their foot chopped off? It always came down to diabetes. So 
with all that going on my entire life and then hearing that I had it, especially at that age, even though I was probably the most active I've ever been. And and, and what age were you? Uh, I was 26. Doctor gives you that. What is your first thought in your head as you're walking back? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to lose my legs. Um, and just being an active person my whole life, that, that, that was like the thing that like scared me the most is that I won't have the ability to run or jump or, or play sports or do the things that I've enjoyed my entire life. Um, so that, yeah, that was my first thought. I wasn't even thinking about death or anything like that. It was the fact that I won't be able to do the things that I was doing before. We all probably have those family histories, just, just like you. Both my grandparents had it. My, my father has it. And so you just see it, and that's what you're used to, is you'll see a family member lose a limb. You'll see a family member have to check their sugar, or they got the sugar. That's what we well, tend to call it in our community. Well, so well, we, we stigmatize it so much, and that was your first thought is, I'm going to lose my leg. Not that I'm going to cope with it or manage it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, managing it didn't come for another few days after that, but Hmm. yeah, that was, that was the thing. And then I remember watching my mom every morning shooting up insulin. Like she had it. My father had it. Um, And my father passed away just a year ago because of complications with uh, diabetes. So yeah, those thoughts were in my mind. Um, Never, never thought about, all right, I'm gonna have to manage this. Um, Cause I, I don't, I never had a real example. I mean, my mother takes care of it really well, but other than that, I never had or heard an example of anyone managing type two diabetes. Uh, people just kept on living the same lifestyle that they lived. Yep. What stigmas do you think you want to break about type two diabetes? Um, I think the biggest thing is just like, like, like the Yahoo article said, I mean, I did have some bad eating habits, but for the most part, my eating habits were well. I mean, I ate fruits, vegetables, and whole foods um, just uh, sometimes with the overconsumption of of that and then the snacks. But uh, I just want people to know that like um, genetics, there's a big factor on why you develop diabetes, not because you're not exercising or doing the things necessary to not develop type 2 diabetes. And there's learned habits that people have. And once you realize those learned habits, um, you realize that, um, like, again, like myself, um, that there's things that you did throughout your life that was learned and not necessarily just your fault. Cause a lot of people get down on themselves once they get developed type two diabetes, um, that you need to learn those things that you might've, uh, or realize those things that you might've developed throughout your life. And from there, that's where you make your changes. Um, and another one is just the support. A lot of people don't support people with type two diabetes because it's just seen as that lazy person's disease. And when you don't have support, it's, a uh, for most people anyway, mentally, it's a struggle to actually want to fix the problems that you have or developed over time. So, um, I think, I don't want to sound insensitive. Well, what kind of support are you just um, just not about? telling people that because I hear it all the time, especially like throughout my family with some of the people who are overweight. They don't support them in the way that's necessarily needed to support someone getting putting someone down over and over and over may not because depression comes in. And when you get depressed, then you don't want to do anything at all. People get. Yeah. Yeah. Really. So sometimes laziness is really depression. 
So um, instead of um, putting people down and saying, you're, this is your fault and did that way, like, hey, um, I'm with you. If you need anything to get better or fix this issue, then I'm with you. Just more positive uh, reinforcement from people. Um, I have a sister who is over 400 pounds. And um, a lot of times um, growing up, uh, people dogged her on her weight, dogged her on her weight. Um, and, I'm sorry. Um, and I just luckily enough to just spend some time at home with her, um, just talking to her. And she's down, I want to say, 80 pounds now. Wow. Um, with everything I've learned, you know, I text her, send a positive um, reinforcement of what she's doing. And um, I just, I like, I think about her and, and her journey through life and how she got to where she got. And then people seeing that and just automatically being negative towards her. So, I mean, I, I'm proud of what I've done, but I'm way more prouder of what she does. And I'm going mm. to support her in the most positive way that I can. What's the biggest myth living with diabetes? I guess the biggest myth is I think people automatically think that you can't have desserts um, or anything with sugar, mm -hmm. which you can. Um, it just needs to be in a manageable portion. Um, a lot of times I, uh, I'm out somewhere and like people say, let's go pick up some donuts. And then they go, oh, wait, Dex can't have donuts. And I mean, like, it's not true. I can have a donut and still have my blood sugar be managed managed um so i think that's one big thing and, and especially when it's the two types of diabetes uh people don't seem to understand about type one is that usually you develop it when you're young and you're you just don't develop or your body doesn't produce insulin at all um, mm -hmm. but once you hear diabetes i think everyone's mind goes directly to type two and what you can't do with type two, but there's a lot, there's still a lot of things that um, you can do, especially when it comes to your diet. You just have to monitor it the right way and not overdo it like I used to. I think it's about that time. Just uh, take a little breather. Good do it, good do it. Let's get down to it. Hey, Gerard, where did you get that T-shirt? You mean this thing? Oh, yes. <laughs> I got it from CutToItPodcast.com, where we have exclusive merchandise. Shout out to our guys at 704 Shop. But yeah, you can go on, buy you a T-shirt, subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. 
listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're diagnosed with diabetes. Now what do you do? I'm a lover of information, always trying to find information, find things find out about whatever I'm interested in or whatever's going on in the world. So I just, you know, hopped on the internet, hopped on Google and started looking up ways to manage uh, type two diabetes. And I even brought a book, <laughs> um, type two diabetes for dummies. So that was my first thought. It was, I wasn't thinking about trying to conquer it or anything. I just know I needed to know more about what was going on in my body. And then what do you do? Do you change anything? I mean, I'm just trying to figure out, do you just go back to your, you know, you go back to working at the uh, at the restaurant, eat, you know, eating a, a 40, 50 wings every couple of days. I, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, what really, what did diabetes really do to you? What did it move psychologically? I started to think about, well, I have diabetes. I can overcome diabetes. Um, there's other things I've seen. I have examples of people overcoming things in life. And I'm going to be the one who changes this um, stigma around type 2 diabetes. So, um, so from there, I just started after I did that research, learning that um, lower carb diet would be better to manage my diabetes. Um, exercise, which I was already doing, that was pretty easy um, to do that, to maintain that anyway. Um, so, yeah, just my, my diet changed a lot. The overeating stopped. Um, I stopped eating uh, fried wings and went to grilling wings and only eating around 12 of those, having a lot of greens now. Um, those were um, the initial changes that I had. And once I got to LA, that's when um, my being strict on my diet, a little way more strict than I am now, uh, especially because I've learned that portion sizes um, will allow me to eat certain things that I used to eat in my past. But then it was just straight paleo. Um, so fruits and vegetables, uh, meat, and that's it. Very little fruit and no starches like rice and white potatoes. Um, lucky enough, I lived in LA where we were talking about grocery stores and the cheapest food would be the processed and sugary food. Food, uh, food for less. <laughs> exactly. You go into any bad neighborhood, that's, or not that's bad neighborhood, low-income uh, neighborhood. That's everything that's there. have access to the better foods, the organic foods and stuff like that. They tend to only get the more sugary, more refined um, um, processed food. 
So um, a food for less or shop for less is going to look way different than a Whole Foods. Uh, you'll never see a Whole Foods in a low income area. So luckily, that was the one saving grace that I was able to go to these places. And if you if you buy non-organic vegetables, they're usually pretty cheap for the most part. And you just have to go home and wash them and all that stuff mm-hmm. on your own. So I was able to do that. Um, luckily, I had found a job at a bar. And at the same time, I found a job at UPS. So I was working a lot, um, even though it wasn't enough to really make ends meet in LA, but it was enough to give me access to um, high quality foods. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so I guess my biggest thing was just changing from eating the double stuff Oreos. I uh, used to really like graham crackers. I ate a lot of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So cutting down the carbs was one of the biggest changes that I had to do when it came to um, managing type two diabetes and then just my mindset of, uh, I know that some days won't be the best days, but I'm gonna make the best out of every day. What was the point, Dex, that you wanted to go forward with your story and become an an advocate for type two diabetes? Uh, I think I was training a, so by this time in LA, I started working at a CrossFit gym and I was training an older lady who was pre-diabetic and I was telling her I was diabetic and giving her this information that she never received before. So um, uh, I just started sharing uh, what I was going through on Instagram and people responded to it. It was just because, again, type 2 diabetes has that bad stigma and no one has really ever, um, or at least people tell me they've never seen anyone uh, post or write or talk about type 2 diabetes in the way that I have. Um, so that was a start. I just wanted to share what I was doing. I didn't really care if anyone responded or anything like that. I just wanted to share it. And it just turned out to be a blessing, um, because I was able to reach a lot of people and talk to a lot of people and help a lot of people in their life journey or their journey with uh, type two diabetes. Do you think it's fair to say diabetes maybe saved your life? Um, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I was just thinking about this last night. Um, not even just save my life, but, um, opportunity, so much more opportunity to do things. I mean, I've traveled around the country because of, um, diabetes, um, and me speaking about it. Um, I've been able to make workout videos, um, just so much more opportunity from type two diabetes. And then I like, I think about, um, my faith a lot and you hear a lot, like God would never give me anything I can't handle. And that's how I feel about uh, my type two diabetes. And another thing I always think about is I want to be more Christ-like and Christ did nothing but help people. So now I have this ability to help people. And I, and I think, I don't, I don't want to say like God gave me type two diabetes, but I think he knew there was this avenue for me to help people. And, um, and I would have the strength to do that. I think I still, at the end of the day, I wish I didn't have type two diabetes, but the fact that I do and the fact that I can help people and the opportunities that have risen because of that is, um, yeah, it's definitely, I've changed my life and saved my life. One of the really cool things about both of these guys, what I really loved was you have Vinny talking about, um, you know, undrafted guy who played in the NFL, utilizing his his gift of playing football, but understanding that it was short-lived mm-hmm. and that he will have to live 
and be able to be able to provide for his family um, for years to come. So you got money, right? And then you got Dex who talked about what he was very transparent, talked he about was. what he experienced, why he experienced that, and then also too not really blaming anyone other than himself, but then also taking diabetes type two, the bull by the horns. Mm -hmm. And so he talked about body, right? But both of these guys also gave us a peek into their minds. So yeah. you got mind, body, soul. Finances. And then also that really, because money can be the root of all. Absolutely can. Uh, of the money, your money can be the, the root of all evil. But they took basically everything that life has given them and they took advantage of it instead of becoming uh, a victim. That's very true. Right? But also taking ownership. Yeah. Vinny saying, hey, I, you know, some purists of football would say, well, he played for the money. Well, nobody really plays. Nobody goes to work saying, hey, don't pay me. Right. right? But then also understanding that this, is, this was the deck that he was handed and he was okay with it. Instead yeah. of complaining that he's missing an ace of hearts. He just said, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. And, and made the best out of it. Being a former teammate of his, he was, he was a guy that you relied on. And then Dex is one of those guys that I really love this story because he broke down how, what, when, why he got diabetes. Right. And then now how did he come out of it? And so really this was our unsung hero because it, it, on Cut to a Podcast, you are going to hear – some big name guys. Correct. And that's cool. Mm -hmm. But I'm also kind of like what I believe I am is a little a little guy. A guy mm -hmm. that, you know, I like to always say, you can buy a Corvette, but it ain't going to go unless it got some gas <laughs> and some wheels on it. Yeah. Right? You ain't never it seen look, it. It can look good, but if you don't put the gas in the tank, it really don't matter. Or if that thing on bricks, you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> right? And so I really love that they, they were the wheels and yeah. the engine of the car because you need those guys. And so I'm not saying they're little guys, but just more if they're not a named guy, mm -hmm. but they are people that we need to hear from because everybody has a story. Yeah, and and everyone does have a story. And that's the thing I love, honestly, about our podcast is that we're going beyond the X's and O's. We're going beyond how people perform or even in Dexter's case, just his day-to-day -day career. We're going behind the scenes, and both of those guys were very transparent. Mm -hmm. Vinny was transparent about saving Almost his money. Almost a little bit too much. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can argue that, yeah. but, for, but for us- In a good, healthy do, way in a, in a very healthy way, because we know it's going to help somebody, right? Someone is going to take Vinny's financial prowess to heart. Someone is probably listening to this, and maybe they're struggling with diabetes, or they either have gotten a diagnosis, or maybe a diagnosis is coming. We or don't they're know. Scared or of, they're scared, right? And, and, so yeah. so we know that someone's going to benefit from this. So I, I, this is the reason I love doing this podcast, love doing this podcast with you, and love having these stories, because it's, it's, it's true. We're going to have some really great names, and we've interviewed some great names already. But I think having these stories to tell of we're going to highlight a practice squad player and actually learn how he saved his money or we're going to interview a, a personal trainer and he's going to talk about, you know, overcoming a disease that's prevalent in so many communities. Man, it's just dope. And I'm just really enjoying this. And it was great to talk to them and also great to glean from them as well. Yeah, it was, it was really good. So 
Hope you enjoyed it. See you next time. I'm Steve Smith Sr. I'm Gerard. Cut to it. Cut to it with Steve Smith Sr. That is me. Is a production of Cut to It LLC, Balto Creative Media, The Black Effect, and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From Cut to It, executive producer Steve Smith Sr., co-host Gerard Littlejohn, talent and booking manager Joe Fushi, social media manager Peyton Smith, from Balto Creative Media. Cut to it is produced by Brian Baltashevich and Meredith Carter with production assistance by Alex Lebrecht. Production manager Sarah Pollock. Theme music by Alex Johnson. Lyrics and vocals by Anthony Hamilton. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Got my PrevNAR 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk? Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.